Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. Today, I'm delighted to have Lisa Spellman with me, Vice President and General Manager of Intel Xeon Products and Data Center Marketing at Intel. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So, Lisa, we're going to go in a completely different direction than what we normally do together on Chip Chat and talk about the history of our company and the future of Intel. It's a very important milestone for Intel this year. It is, but don't worry. I may still sneak in a few Xeon Scalable mentions. I might not be able to help myself. (laughs) But it is amazing when you think of a company like Intel, 50 years in the making, and that, you know, as a group of employees, we're celebrating it this year. It's been good, and it's good to actually see the employee excitement and sentiment that it generates. Now, when you think about the 50th year anniversary and you think about the founding of our company, what comes to mind for you? You know, one of the most interesting things about the company is the waves of innovation that Intel has either driven or been part of. And a lot of people might not actually remember this, but our first actual real business was the memory business. We started off as a memory company as they worked on the integrated circuit and brought that into market. And then it was only after time that the CPU innovation engine started. I give the founding crew and the leadership team that they built a lot of credit for being able to make that type of transition because you see it in all sorts of industries and certainly now when mega transitions are required at times that's when companies either thrive through it and really change the world or they can get stuck in their existing model and not have that same outcome. So when you look at those waves, what started as a memory business turned into the birth of PCs and then how that has scaled out and expanded into so much other technology from data centers, which are so near and dear to my heart, but all the way through you know, the handheld devices and endpoints all over the place that are available today. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that 10 years into Intel, the PC was born and this was based on a crazy little invention called the Intel 8088 that was actually designed where we're sitting in Oregon. So the birth of the CPU happened in Oregon and really didn't find a home in the PC for a couple of years. Yep. The Silicon Forest had its its first major breakthrough and it took a little while to get it scaled out to the masses. But that's a lot like a lot of new game-changing, world-changing technologies as well. They come out of the spark of an idea. And at the time, no matter how visionary that group of inventors was, I don't even think they could have predicted what massive scale and truly worldwide economic change would come from that singular invention. So now, do you remember what the initial megahertz of the 8088 was? I was a mere child at the time, so I can't say I remember, (laughs) but I had to look it up. So 4.77 megahertz, blistering fast speed. It's just incredible to think about the fact that we started there and where we are today. Um, Obviously, a few things have happened since that point, the birth of the Internet and the massive expansion of the use of technology. What kind of capabilities stand out as you look at the trajectory 
in that time frame in terms of major innovations that were driven by Intel? You know, you said the birth of the internet, and this turns out that was a big thing. Um, again, did the folks, the technologists that were involved in that understand what that would become at the time? It's hard to say, but that realization of what you can do as a singular unit versus what you can do as part of a mass of connectivity was really a game changer. And, you know, this was all happening in the 90s. And at that time, Andy Grove had shared a vision with the world and with employees that was seemed just crazy at the time of a billion connected computers. And the scale of that wasn't even something that people could get their heads around. And it turns out it came true. There's a lot that goes on behind that, though. You know, there's a lot of decisions that Intel made throughout the years and areas where they chose to invest resources, time to build the ecosystem and the standards that made it possible for all of this to happen. And some of them are seemingly so basic now when you think of things like CD-ROMs or USB or PCI Express. The fact that those technologies were developed as standards is what allowed them to scale in that massive way and drive the ubiquity of computing forward. So we've gotten a lot as a society and as a world out of some of those very early decisions to broaden the base and invest not just in the CPU, but in all the ways that it connects out to the world and really drives that billion, now way more than that, but billions of connected devices. Now it Intel's 30th birthday, an amazing thing happened that I know will be exciting for you to talk about. What was that? So that was when we announced our first Intel Xeon processors. So while Intel is turning 50, Xeon is a striking young 20 years old this year. And it's really a major milestone. Again, you think 20 years ago, the dawn of the data center as that was beginning to take hold and that huge transition from expensive or proprietary mainframe type technologies into x86 processing and on Intel Xeon. And it was like a light switch of the innovation that that turns on, not just in the technology space, but in the world. So 20 years ago today, and the amount and reliance and number of capabilities we take through industry standard compute that Intel Xeon delivers. Now, obviously, there's been a lot that's happened in terms of data center computing. Since the introduction of Xeon, Xeon came out and, you know, it was really in the early days called a PC tower on its side put into a data center and did exciting things like print serving and file serving. Not only has Xeon evolved and taken on new capabilities, but data center computing has evolved quite a bit. What do you think are the key trends there? You know, there has been a few waves in that. Just watching how IT services have evolved and that move to, again, those back-end services that can be provided and then the move to all employees having a personal computing device from desktops and laptops and, you know, workstations and that demand, same way, the way of the data center, moving from very single-purpose built systems to deliver one task to this massive network several years into Xeon creating virtualization technology. And I remember that being part of conversations as an industry where we said, will virtualization take the demand for servers and the demand for compute down because you can so much more efficiently 
use the resources. And again, it's that part of being bold and driving forward where you could say, oh, we're not going to unleash this technology on the world because it has a chance to bring down the demand of our products. And the ability to see that, no, once the powerful usage of compute is even more accessible and more affordable, that will inherently drive more demand and more use cases. And so on the backs of virtualization technology, cloud infrastructure was built. And the first real drivers of that cloud infrastructure were consumer use cases, the dawn of social networking and peer-to-peer connections and the photo sharing and, and all those things. And then on top of that, many, many enterprise and business applications have also realized the efficiency and the capability that can be delivered through a cloud infrastructure. And it's just exciting to see the impact that that scale has on so many, many industries. Like I've given this example just recently when I was talking about our new Intel Optane data center persistent memory products that are coming out. And I was talking about how, you know, when you used to start driving, you got a Thomas Guide, which was a book about how to get places. Then there was MapQuest where you could print out some directions. Then you had Google Maps and that was amazing. It showed traffic. And then on top of that, a few folks in Israel invented Waze the bringing in of user-generated data. The end goal is still the same, get me from point A to point B. And what used to take one hard drive now takes a data center, and it has so much more utility that people um, enjoy and thrive on and can better plan their day and lives. So it's a small thing, but it's also a big thing as far as advancement. Now, looking forward, we're looking at a massive shift in computing yet again. Intel has been at the forefront of the last three waves, it seems like. Tell me about the next wave and how Intel is investing in the right technologies to drive the future use of computing. It is, you know, fascinating to look at. And some of the work that our Intel Labs organization is doing is just mind-blowing. You know, I spend most of my day on what's here today through the next five years and seeing where Xeon will evolve. But we've got these big brains out there working on things like quantum computing and really driving, again, not just Intel, but the entirety of the industry and the world to the edge of what's possible. We started to talk a little bit more about what we're doing in quantum computing and some of the impact that we think we can have. And you have our team out there actually producing wafers of this stuff and putting it into action, testing it out in systems capabilities and application use cases. I'm not trying to imply it's just right around the corner. You know, there's a lot of work still to be done, but it's exciting to see the future starting to materialize. And it is such a powerful thing for, again, talking about the employees celebrating the 50th anniversary, being part of turning what we call, you know, PowerPoint into product and having these ideas really start to realize themselves and surface through all the hard work that the employees do. Well, you know, it's funny because when you were talking earlier about being a kid and so you had to look something up, when I was a kid, I remember reading about quantum computing as something that was a feature of science fiction. And one of the things that I love about what you've been telling me today is that there have been so many times in our history where we have, with the industry, taken a concept that has appeared to be science fiction and actually turned it into part of reality for society. I think that quantum computing is one of those examples that holds so much promise that the use cases derived from it 
will seem that same way. Another area, of course, is AI, and Intel has been all over that area for many years. Tell me about how you view that and how it will shift our focus on computing over the next decade. It's such an amazing and fascinating space to be involved in, both the quantum and the AI, and they have some interrelatedness. But you realize what's making AI like just break through right now. I mean, this has been something that people have been talking about since the 50s, since before even Intel was founded. It's been a concept that's been fascinating to people, but it's the scale and efficiency of cloud computing architecture and the connectivity of the network that is really allowing this to take shape now and really blow up. And the cool part is how fast the algorithmic innovation is happening as people learn and, you know, relearn and learn again about what can be done and what's possible. It's opening up so many avenues and pathways to societal advancement and the easing of human burdens. And so I think that, you know, Intel's incredibly motivated and excited to be part of that. And we're trying to take a very holistic view that is from near term to long term and looks across the legs of our value, whether that's architecture and design options that we have, the software optimizations and ecosystems that we develop, our you know process technologies, our packaging technologies to think through all the different types of problems that exist and will start to or continue to exist, and then what type of computing, what is the best of the Intel resources we can put towards those to deliver a most optimal, whether that's highest performance, greatest total cost of ownership on this. And so I think we've made tremendous progress on Xeon, just the ability to use an Intel Xeon CPU to utilize the compute that you have in your data center to help start solving these problems. And then our portfolio extends all the way to quantum, which you're just discussing, which will be applied to exactly these type of incredibly challenging math problems. Well, thank you so much for the time today, Lisa. It's been a real pleasure to take a a little bit of a dip into history and get excited about the next generation of computing that's evolving. Well, thank you for having me. Um, You know, as we sit here at 50 years, our employee phrase around this whole thing is just do something wonderful. And so I hope I'm not here for the next 50-year tip chat, but I hope someone doubly, you know, cool and amazing has your role and my role at the time because I know they're going to have a lot more to talk about. The best thing, Lisa, would be if chip chat was alive in 50 years. (laughs) Thanks so much, and hope to have you back again soon. All right. See you soon. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization. 